look at our scripture as we continue through the Christmas story. It can be found in the inside of your bulletin. This is Luke 2, 8 through 20. This is the shepherds hearing of the announcement uh, of uh, Jesus' birth. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying they had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The word of the Lord. Well, we are uh, coming up with the birthday of Jesus uh, that we're going to be celebrating. There's another wonderful birthday today, uh, which is my wife whose birthday is today. She's 29 years old. I probably should have asked her if I should say that, but no, I will take the wrath later. That's how brave I am. I want to talk a little bit about birth announcements because some of you uh, may not ever have had the pleasure of seeing my birth announcement which is right here. It's a shame that you cannot quite see it. Uh, this is the actual reading of the birth announcement in the paper for this child or whatever you want to call it up there. Uh, this was in the paper. Mr. and Mrs. Zeke Rodriguez gave birth to a strong seven and a half pound boy. The couple now resides in Alexandria, West Virginia. Uh, well, that's a typo. Alexandria, Virginia, where Mr. Rodriguez is employed there, blah, blah, blah. He is the son of blah, 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 and she is the blah, 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 blah. Congratulations, period. <laughs> what, what an announcement, how astounding, how powerful. Well, even though it was brief, the reverberations of it were felt throughout the world, throughout the country. Uh, different leaders were asked for comment. Richard Nixon uh, said, wow, this is fantastic news. Finally, something to distract everyone from my uh, governing. Uh, Zhu Hiai uh, of the People's Republic of China simply sent back one word, cool. Uh, the UN, uh, Adam Malik of Indonesia said we praise God for the coming of this golden child and cannot wait for an issuing of a new age due to his existence. Thank you, Adam. Uh, the Soviet Union, Leonid Brezhnev simply said this, what is it? <laughs> so I, I knew that troubles were going to occur with the Soviet Union. So, you know, birth announcements are very interesting. There's sort of a pattern to them, you know? If you've had a child, you go to the pilot or you go to wherever and, you know, it's almost like a plug-in, uh, different information, you know? What's their age, what's their birth, so on and so on. Birth announcements have been going on forever. And that's what makes this announcement so strange. 
This is a birth announcement after all. The first announcement after Christ was born. It happens not with loud noise and fanfare, which one would expect from a leader of this size and import, but rather it's quiet, unassuming in many ways. It's not a written communication in a piece of paper or a book. It's not a written announcement, but it's a living announcement. Not written in ink and paper, but composed of flesh and blood. It's not an announcement that tells, but rather it's an announcement that shows. It's not an announcement for a specific particular group of people, but indeed it's for the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and begotten son, only begotten son. But it's not for a particular class of people either. It's for the poor. It's for the outcasts. Not only those who are known, but those who are unknown. This announcement. It's living. It's universal. But finally, it's personal. It's a personal announcement to a personal group of people. These shepherds watching over their flocks. It's personal and it's intimate. And it's here that I want to uh, elucidate that the announcement of Christ is different than any other announcement because it's an announcement that is directed to you. Individually. To you and to you and to you. See, the miracle of Christmas is simply this, that Jesus Christ did not come for the world. He came for you. And the only way to truly have meaning, understand the meaning of Christmas is if you understand that Christmas is for you. This first announcement that has been given in the scriptures about the birth of Christ tells us everything we need to know about who this person is. So we're going to look at three things in this announcement. Number one, we're going to look at the audience. Why did Jesus choose to go to these shepherds? Why not somebody else? We can learn something in the audience. Number two, we're going to look at the announcement. The message itself, what was it comprised of? Why were these the first words that God decided to speak? And finally, we're going to look at the attendance. How these people, these shepherds who got the announcement, act and moved on. You'll have to excuse my voice, by the way. I was shouting like a banshee last night during our greed game. In fact, Rico, if you would get me some water, I would appreciate it. The audience, the announcement, and the attendance. So the first part is the who. Who did God come to? The second part is the what. What did he have to say? And number three is the so what. What did they do with it? Because Jesus Christ did not come into the world for everyone. He came into the world for you. Well, let's look at these points. Number one, the, the audience. We see in Luke 2, 8 and 9, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So the audience is made up of these shepherds. They are, uh, shepherds are a very interesting bunch. If you want to know a little bit about them back then, the first thing was that they were outcasts. They were religious outcasts. See, because they handled animals, dead animals, all animals, they were considered unclean. Therefore, they could not participate in the religious observances. They could not go into the temple court they could not uh, participate in the different festivals. They basically were pushed out. They could not participate in the religious life of Israel, even though they were the ones preparing the very sacrifices to be used in those religious festivals. They were religious outcasts. 
but they were also social outcasts. See, due to their nomadic nature, they were always kind of wandering, following and leading the different flocks. Thank you, Vanna. Uh, moving the different flocks and watching over them. And so they really didn't have a permanent address. A good way to think about them is they're kind of like these gypsies, you know? They don't have any roots everywhere, so they're socially outcast. They're viewed with suspicion when they come into town. And finally, they're just simply outcasts because their job is 24-7. There's no punching the clock. There's no, they're there watching over the flock, tending it by day, and at night they would literally bring all the sheep into a pen and they would lie down with the sheep in the pen, sometimes forming the actual door itself to protect the sheep. And so it's ironic that on this holiday when, uh, when Bethlehem and Jerusalem is swelling with people for the Passover, that they're walking them, uh, they're seeing them walk by, knowing that they cannot participate. Indeed, that the very sheep that they have raised are the ones that are going to be led to the slaughter. And so they're there that night just looking out, each by their particular flock. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. I don't know if you've ever been out in the country and there's no lights and you stare up and you can see just the vast expanse of sky and you, uh, you look and you're in wonderment of it. But what, it see, what we see here is that the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That these stars begin to coalesce together and a brightness occurred, this glory cloud. It was like, uh, I don't know, magnificent. It was beautiful. It was uh, beyond anything they had ever seen before. The presence of God being manifest. Imagine if God's presence came right now, how the elements would respond to him. And so this glory comes and the Lord shines around. And the angel of the Lord, this angelic being, comes down into their midst. It's very interesting. Whenever an angel comes, it's like uh, people fall down. And shake like dead men. And so it makes sense that it would say that when the angel came, they were filled with great fear. You know, this is a fear of that which is not of this world. But it's also a religious fear. See, all their life, the, the shepherds has been told, you're not good enough. All right, you're kind of this class right here on this religious system that we have. Kind of like Peter. Remember Peter? The fisherman, the tradesman, and he sees all of these fish when Jesus says, lay down your nets. And his first response as he looks at Jesus is to shrink back in fear and to say, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. What these shepherds must have been thinking as this angel appeared in their midst. And they shook with fear as holiness met sinfulness. But the angel meets their fear with these words. Fear not. For I bring you good news for all people. You can see the shepherds. You bring us what? You bring us good news? Nobody brings us any news. Nobody even knows we're out here. Nobody brings us the post. Nobody tells us what's going on. Nobody even includes us in the social life of this community. And yet you've come, angel, to bring us good news. It's good news that will be for all people. And yet the very first people that God brings these, this news to is the shepherds. 
Isn't that interesting? First announcement. It's not in the New York Times. It's not in London Times. It's not in the Wall Street Journal. It's to a bunch of nobody shepherds in the middle of nowhere. This news you are to proclaim. I'm bringing it to you first. Imagine if you got the good news first. Wouldn't you go out and tell everyone? But you see, the problem is this, that shepherds' testimony is not valid in a court of law. They were considered so, so uh, baseline, so questionable in their ethics and character that they could not testify in a court of law. And yet the angel has said, I bring you good news that will be for all people. I find it so ironic that the most outcast of people had the most religious message to share. So we have to ask the question, why them? Certainly not because it was the most effective method. I think it's because the message came to precisely those who would believe it. Those who would have no doubt. See, nobody brings good news to them because they have no influence. Usually when someone tries to trick you, it's because you have something of worth to take. And yet these people, we don't see any doubt whatsoever, do we? We see it in Zechariah. We see it in Joseph of Arimathea. But these shepherds, they hear the message and what do they do? They respond right away. Let's go and see this thing that has been talked about. See, my friends, who Jesus has sent the message to this audience shows us that this kingdom that God rules works in a different way. It's not moved by power or wealth or beauty or influence. It's the kingdom where the most unfit become the most qualified. Because God doesn't need people. His truth is powerful enough. He needs no PR agency to announce the birth of the Messiah. It will go out and it will be true simply because it is. Rather, the announcement itself is the message. I have come to announce to people who are lonely and of no position and may have low self-esteem. I've come to people who are ostracized and they're wondering where they're fit or maybe they're resigned to their mundane, ordinary life. I come to you. I want to bring you good news for all people. You know, he still does, by the way. The announcement still goes out. I don't know if you know much about the story of the making of the Statue of Liberty. Not him. Statue of Liberty... Uh, was an idea by a French politician. And uh, his concept was uh, if, if to create some statue or symbol that would show independence and freedom and liberty. And he said if we are to create such a thing uh, to show it in America, it would only be fitting that France would be a part of that. And so they decided to construct this colossus, uh, the Statue of Liberty. If you'll notice on the uh, actual book, it has the number 1776, the date of the Declaration of Independence. At its feet, at her feet are these chains, these chains of uh, oppression, if you will, that have held her down, that she is a free person holding up the torch of freedom for everyone. Now the point of this is that this statue was never meant to represent what it does today. It was meant to represent the power of the republic and an independent system of government. But it was very close to Ellis Island. 
And in Ellis Island, as we know, hundreds of thousands of people fleeing their country, looking for the opportunity for a better life, to be able to worship God, would pass by and they would see Lady Liberty. And so soon, Lady Liberty was not a symbol simply of independence of a country, but the symbol of freedom for a downtrodden people. And so in 1904, there was a uh, poem that was written that is written in bronze and placed on the inside of the statue that was never meant to be there initially. And I'm looking for it, and I may have to recite it from memory, which will be very troubling. But essentially it says this, Do not cast off the refuge of the shores, but rather bring to me your poor and tired and hungry masses yearning to breathe free, for I will care for them. For this land shall be a place of refuge and shelter and safety for my people. The message of Lady Liberty was a message of hope to those who needed it more than anyone else. For other people who saw it, it was a nice statue. For the people who really needed it, it was the doorway to hope and freedom. See, the audience is the important thing here. What's being communicated to these shepherds is what is being communicated to you. That God is looking for those who are poor in spirit. I want to bring good news to you. See, the good news comes to people who need it. So do you, my friends, today need good news? Are you lonely or lost? Empty? Are you a shepherd who doesn't feel understood, who hopes there's something more in this life. He went to shepherds, and he comes to you. But you may say to me, Carlos, I don't, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve the presence of God. I don't deserve this, this gift of someone caring for me like this. See, the message doesn't come to those who deserve it. The message comes to those who desire it. And if you desire it, you are the shepherd. And God comes for you. So look inside your heart and ask the question, do I need a Savior? And if so, then look outside. Look to the skies. Look to Christ. Because Jesus Christ did not come for the world. He came for you. And Christmas will only have meaning if Christmas is for you. Well, this brings me to my second point, the announcement itself. The announcement really sums up, much like my birth announcement, everything you need to know. And the angel said, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. See, he tells them the source of their joy. Listen, shepherds, fear not. I bring you good news. And there's a pregnant pause. What is it? And you'll never run up to you and say, hey, I got great news. Well, let's hear it. Here comes the great news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A couple key parts of this announcement. Number one, it's this day. This is when it's happening. And where is it happening? It's happening in the city of David, Bethlehem. Now these are shepherds, mind you. And shepherds have a hero. I wonder if ever sitting under the stars at night they thought of that shepherd long before David. The shepherd boy that God called to be a king. 
I wonder if they remember the words in Micah 5.2. The prophecy that out of Bethlehem, though you are small, will come one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. The message is this, that today this one, this, save, this person in the, the new shepherd has come and he is Savior, Christ the Lord. Christ means anointed one. The Old Testament, they would anoint a king so they would know that he was God's king. This is God's king who has come. He's a savior. He's the one who's come to save you from bondage. He is the savior. He is Christ the Lord. The Lord is the king. It's very interesting that the very edict itself that have brought Mary and Joseph was issued by a king, wasn't it? Augustus the king. But the angel is saying, no, no, this isn't just a king. In the city of David today is born the king, Christ, the Lord. Salvation has come. I bring you this good news. You know, there's something different about this announcement than every other one that you hear, though. Think about it, your particular announcement in the paper. You know, let's look at it. Well, it has to have the date, right? You always got to put a date for the announcement. Always has to have the name of the child, right? Okay, we got a pretty good description of him anyways here. Has the location of birth. But then, usually there's something else. Like this. Today, if this birth announcement was correctly done, it would say this. Today is born in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph a child. But if you'll notice, it doesn't say that at all. See, this is the most important thing about Christmas. If you want to understand it, it's right here. For today is born unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior. He is born this day to you. Not to Mary and Joseph. Not to the scholars. Not to somebody over there. The good news is this, for today is born unto you a Savior. He's for you, not for his parents. He's for you. All of the meaning of Christmas is bound up in those two words. He shows to the lowly shepherds, to you. And the gospel, if it truly is the gospel, if Christmas is truly Christmas, then you must hear the message Today is born in this city to you and to you and to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The invitation is personal. He came for you and for all those who would receive him. He is yours. He's not just Jesus. He's my Jesus. He's not just a savior, he's my savior. For today is born in that city unto you a savior. I've had the opportunity to participate uh, in the births of my three children that were born. And we have one adopted child. Sometimes I have trouble remembering who is who. But uh, I remember being uh, in there and you know it's a, it's a, uh, it's a I don't, I'll use the word wacky surreal what's going on you know it's this nice you know wood paneled place everyone's hanging out and then all of a sudden boom 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 the place turns into a surgical room just like that 
And you're just, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Your wife is going through all of these things and, you know, you're trying to comfort her and you may be doing something and it's going faster and faster and where's, where's the doctor? And they come in and, you know, go through all the process and you hear that cry, that loud cry as the baby is taken out. And you see what you've been thinking about for all of these months. And what do they do? They take the baby and they give it to the mother and the father comes around and touches the child and today is born in that room to me and Leellen a child to us for us how intimately personal see that's exactly what God is saying that as the child comes the child is laid on your chest. Look at this gift from God. He's given to you. He is the precious one. Your gift. Who was Jesus born for? Is he not the greatest figure ever to walk the earth? Are his words not the most profound? Are his actions not the most powerful? But he was born for you. That's why this holidays we give gifts. To maybe in some small way understand the greatest gift of all. So is he born for you? Did he come for you? Is he not just the savior? Is he my savior? Is he not just the king? Is he my king? See, Christmas really comes all the way down to simply a personal pronoun. Today is born the city in David unto you, a Savior. Whose name is on your announcement? Today is born to the world. Today is born to the church when you wake up on the 25th. Today is born to my spouse. Or that day 2,000 years ago, he was born to me. And if he was, live like it. Treat him more reverently than you've ever treated anyone before. Look to him with more hope than you could ever look to anyone. Assign more value than you could to anything you ever own. More beauty and love to any relationship. Because he was given to you and you and you to all those who are looking for a savior. We're not so different from Mary and Joseph in many ways, are we? They experienced the gift and yet they knew when those shepherds came this was a whole lot more than simply for us. You can experience Christmas like the shepherds if he is for you. Because Jesus did not come for the world. He came for you. The final point is the so what. The audience heard the announcement and what did they decide to do with it? I love the sign that the angel gave and this will be a sign for you. In other words, here's to show you that I'm telling you the truth. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. You know, it's like in those old movies when the person comes out and says, it's a boy! 
And everybody starts going crazy and handing out cigars and all of that type of stuff. Heaven could not help but rejoice at the birth of the child. And when the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, I don't know what happened, but I'm not sure I believe it. That was very interesting. What did you guys think about it? No, they said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In other words, somebody just gave me a gift and I'm going to go find it. Particularly because he gave me directions. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. See, the angel Gabriel gave the, the shepherds an address. How did they know? They looked at the star, I guess. I don't know. They seemed like they would be the perfect person to, uh, people to find where a baby would be in a manger. And they came. And they experienced this baby who was for them. And at the end, when all had been said and done, the angels went away into heaven. Oh, excuse me, at the very end they found her. The first people to see. And at the end it says that they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. They received the gift that night and they unwrapped it. I don't know about you and your Christmas. Could be another one of a thousand. You know, you look at the Christmas story from afar, this baby that was given for the world. You unwrap some presents around the tree. It's fun to watch the kids. Then you sort of wrap up everything and put it away until next year. But that's not Christmas at all. The gift is for you. Are you going to unwrap it or not? If you seek out Christ, if you look out, you will find him. He has been born. And he has died and he has risen again. And he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and be with him and him with me. The beauty of this gift is that we get him, but also that he gets us. Jesus didn't come for the whole world. He came for you. And this Christmas, 2014, will only really have meaning if Christmas is for you. Let's pray. Lord, what wonderful things we've talked about. They're beyond us that the Son of God could be born for us and to us. To us a child is born and on his shoulders will be government and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, God Almighty and his reign shall have no end. Lord, help us to understand that the gift is for us. We don't have to be somebody. We can just be nobody. We don't have to have a gift to give, just a desire to have. Meet us, Lord, right here in this place and help us to experience the true meaning of Christmas, the true gift which is nothing more or nothing less than you yourself. We pray all these things in Christ's name.